Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Our guest is Nikki Seberini, who's a mind freedom fighter, speaker, and a talk show host. We are talking mindfulness. What is mindfulness? Um, and I know it's a question we all ask ourselves. What do people mean? Do they mean that we are now getting into a particular religion or it's a lifestyle? What is it and how do we achieve it? And how do we benefit from it? Those are all the questions we're going to be asking our guests. Please do join in. The lines are open. If you'd like to share your mindfulness tips or ask your questions, 011-714-2006. SMSs go to 41391 and WhatsApps. 0614104107. Nikki, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Hi, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, good evening to your um, listeners as well. So let's uh, just ask the simple question What is mindfulness? <laughs> Are you sure it's a simple question? Well, the question <laughs> is simple. I don't know if the answer <laughs> is. <laughs> You know, Patricia, you, you, it was very interesting because when you start off and you said, you know, is it a religion? Is it a way of life? What, what is mindfulness? Well, we certainly know that mindfulness is on the, the lips of many, many people at the moment. Many people are practicing mindfulness. And so the question is why? Um, and it is an age-old practice. It is rooted in Buddhism. So it's thousands of years, thousands of years old. But, Patricia, people aren't practicing it in modern times as a Buddhist practice. People are using it as a mind management tool. People are using it as a stress management tool, as a thought management tool. So mindfulness really came to, I mean, I can't say came to the West, but there was a, there is a professor uh, in the United States by the name of John Kabat-Zinn. Um, and he started a clinic in Massachusetts, and it was to help people with pain and with stress. And what he did was he started to introduce meditation and mindfulness and yoga and what they found over a period of time was physiologically and psychologically people were benefiting they then did a whole lot of scientific research on the benefits and you know the scientific research the brain scans um, reinforced just how powerful this mindfulness was. So that was, wow, in like, sure, the, the 70s, the 1970s, 80s, when he introduced it. So it's been around. People are using it more and more. It's ground in science. I would like to say that it's a secular practice. And also just to say it's a mind-strengthening practice. So it's all of those things. It's not related to a religion. And, you know, this is the way forward during these very stressful times that we live in. So uh, from it emanating from uh, Buddhism, and here we are, it's being practiced in um, our society now outside of uh, the Buddhist uh, uh, religion or faith. How is it being practiced outside of the faith where it emanates from? So, Patricia, you know, it's being practiced for, you know, some people practice it within their own realm, very personally, as a meditation. Some people do it within their corporate space. Some people are doing it. You're looking at armies. You're looking at schools. You're looking at teachers. You're looking at all sorts of people are practicing it in the different realms. How is it practiced? Well, there's a formal and there's an informal way of practicing mindfulness. So let me just outline the two, because as I said, and as you stipulated as well, it's outside of Buddhism. So people are using it as an exercise, as a tool. So the, the, the formal way of doing it is using meditation. And the informal way is just 
bringing a mindful awareness to everything you're doing. So a mindful awareness to the way you're walking, the way you're holding something, the way you're looking at something, the way you're tasting something. There's something called mindful eating. So there are different ways of practicing it. So perhaps just to make it really easy for your, for your listeners, mindfulness is just the way we pay attention. You see, the problem is most of the time we're not paying attention. Research done at Harvard um, quite a few years ago um, showed that nearly 47% of our day we're lost in thought. So we're operating on autopilot. Our mind is elsewhere. And I'm sure people listening can relate to that flood, that endless stream of thoughts that just bombards us that we're planning or we're ruminating or we're judging or we're criticizing ourselves. Whatever it is, our minds are filled with thought. And as soon as your mind is filled with a thought, you are not in the moment. You can do things, you can operate, you're on autopilot, but you're not there. So mindfulness, the whole idea behind mindfulness is to really focus your attention on the present moment. It is bringing yourself to this moment now. So how do we do this? We use our senses. So we use what you're seeing, what you're smelling, tasting, and what you're hearing. And you just use your senses and you bring yourself back to the present moment. Um, so when you practice a mindfulness meditation, that's all you're doing. You know, you're trying to clear your mind because you can't actually clear your mind. You're noticing. You're aware. I'm lost in thought. And I just bring myself back to this present moment. How? By becoming aware of my senses. So that really is, in a nutshell, how, how, how it's practiced. Why is it that it's not something that's innate in us as human beings? Is it because uh, technology and all the industrialization has taken us away from self and put us in a place where we are now all over um, mentally instead of focusing on the moment? Yeah, such a fantastic question, Patricia, because we are... You know, we do have this incredible brain, and our brain has, I mean, we've survived um, as a species because of our brain. And so our brain's job, its prime job, is to protect us and to predict a future and to plan and to get our genes into the next generation. And so everything is about survival. So we've got different parts of our brain that operate. Um, So we've got um, for the survival instinct that kicks in. And then we've got the, the... the, another part of our brain in, in the, the prefrontal cortex, we, we've got a lot of executive thinking, high-order thinking, um, and this is where a lot of the self, thinking of self comes in. Um, we become aware of ourselves, we're aware of our environment, um, there are emotions attached to this awareness. And so this brain is producing thoughts. So, so just like everyone who's listening now is breathing and they're, they're not even aware that they're breathing, so our brains, our brain secretes thoughts. We are thought. And that's just how the brain works. From the subconscious mind, these thoughts pop up. And as you said, you know, living in a very distracted um, society where we have all of this technology, unfortunately what's happening is we're becoming less focused and we're becoming more stressed because we're stimulated all the time. So that, you know, there's neuroplasticity in the brain, which means the brain is rewiring itself all the time. It's changing. So if we continually do the same things, 
then our brain becomes used to that. It's almost like a habit of the brain, the neuroplasticity. So when we are continually distracted, our brain is wired that way. You know, we've got the stress hormones. Also, we get the wonderful dopamine rewards. Every time we react to a ping or to a light or to a whatever, we become addicted to it. And so, yes, it is much, much more difficult for us to focus and then are lost in thought a lot of the time. So there are a lot of things working. There are things that we're not aware of because it's just how the brain works. And then there's certainly things that we can control in our everyday life, which really just exacerbates the stress and, and this, this non-stop ruminating and thinking. Mm. Now I understand why we've got such a high rate of uh, people experiencing anxiety, people having depression. Um, Mm. Yes, there's the chemical and hormonal imbalances, but it's also because we are living so much in everywhere else except in the moment. And with mindfulness, this can be minimized or even eliminated from what you have described. Yeah, it's so true. You know, the the numbers are up in terms of anxiety and depression, and it's it's really alarming. It is alarming because we we live vicariously to other people with the social media and the stresses and everything that you say. So mindfulness is incredible tool. And what is is mindfulness trying to escape? No, mindfulness really encourages us to be with what is, to be able to hold everything that offers us without judgment. So John Kabat-Zinn John says, and I mentioned him a little bit earlier, like what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is where you on purpose bring yourself into this present moment without judgment. So you notice when a thought comes up. You, you know, it's easy to get lost in the thought, but if you can just notice, oh, I'm lost in a thought, and I'm going to bring myself back to this moment. So it's the noticing and then the returning without judgment, without it's bad to be lost in thought or judging the kind of thought that I had or there's something wrong with me that I keep getting lost in thought. Living non-judgmental and in a very kind way and an understanding way, this is the way my brain is working. I just bring myself back to the moment. And so what you eventually can do, Patricia, is you can hold different um, um, emotional states when you're feeling good and bad and you get to see that in a moment you can feel good and bad. You can hold it both, both of them. You can hold different sensations in your body without the judgment of this is good or bad. To be with pain, to manage pain. It's just a a very powerful tool. It's available to everyone. That's what I love about it. You know, you don't have to buy a ticket. You don't have to belong to a club. You don't have to be qualified. You just need to allow yourself to Bring yourself back from being lost in thought. There's so many apps that you can listen to and follow that can help you along the way. It's such a wonderful tool. The brain is rewiring itself. It's it's fantastic for stress. It's fantastic. It boosts the immune system. It lowers blood pressure. Just on all levels, this is this is the way forward in this world that we're living in today. I think we should have been employing (laughs) such strategies of of thinking, mindfulness, um, a long time ago. Not only for now, it would have 
perhaps helped us to deal with the, you know, pandemics like COVID-19. But here we are today learning more about mindfulness. A-teamers, our guest is Nikki Sabrini, who is um, a mindful freedom, mind freedom fighter. She's a speaker and a talk show host. We're talking mindfulness, what it is, how we can benefit from it, how we can um, implement it in our own lives uh, to better ourselves, to decrease stress and anxiety. Perhaps you've been feeling overwhelmed and you are feeling your mind is cluttered and, you know, you want to remove some of these things and you've got some questions. Well, Nikki is on the line. She can answer those questions for you in 011-714-2006. Alternatively, WhatsApp 0614104107. So, Nikki, I'm always asking myself, how do we teach younger people to be mindful? And I'm talking mm-hmm. teenagers and, and young, young children. What I tend to notice in a lot of children um, nowadays, because there's so much access to everything, technology and, you know, uh, games and so on, and less socializing, as a matter of fact, for them, but more uh, gadgets. I notice that they are not as playful, not as interactive, and they, they are easily distracted, you know, in, in terms of their learning journeys and uh, just them knowing what it is that they want compared to children 20 years ago who didn't have uh, an iPad in their hand. So how mm. do we teach younger ones how to become mindful? If we ourselves, noted, are not as mindful and we are also just starting the journey. Mm. You know, we, we, there is a challenge. The big challenge is where we're moving and where technology is taking us. The technology is fantastic. Um, if it's not managed in a way, if we don't really uh, decide to introduce discipline into our life and say that we can only use technology for so many hours. I mean, really, it's, you mentioned going through COVID. More and more people have been using technology because of it. So unfortunately, um, it doesn't help. That is a huge challenge. And so younger people are more exposed to the technology, and this is the way of the future. This is where we're going. And as I mentioned to you earlier, the nature of technology, you know, it's designed in such a way to keep you addicted, to keep you addicted to the likes, to the next bit of information. You want to keep searching and moving and moving. And if you have to look at what happens to the brain and how the brain lights up, um, when you're on different social media, it, it, it really allows for um, very little focus and a far, far more distraction, as I mentioned earlier. So going back to kids and the huge challenge that we all face and how do we do it? As parents, we have to lay down the law. As parents, we have to have boundaries. But I, wanted, I do want to say, though, Patricia, because I have taught lots of children, and they're very open to it. And where does this come from? Where, where does this open-minded approach to mindfulness come from? When they understand their brain, when they understand what's happening in their brain, and when they understand what happens when they slow down, and they are aware of their thought, and they slow their breathing down. So they realize that when they're feeling overwhelmed, when they're feeling anxious, or, or, or when they feel like uh, they're very stressed in a particular situation, they know that a certain part of their brain is lit up. And in order for the other part of the brain to light up, they just need to breathe slowly. They need to bring themselves into the moment. They need to be aware of their thoughts. So it's really the same way that you would with adults. And they're incredibly, incredibly receptive. 
And I, and interestingly, Patricia, a lot more people are, and a lot more schools are introducing it, and a lot of parents are introducing mindfulness because they see the benefits. So there's lots of research overseas where they've introduced mindfulness as a subject at school, and you're starting to see less bullying in the classroom. You're starting to see improved concentration. You're starting to see uh, more collaboration and creativity. You know, the research is there. The research is there. Um, and it's just got to be implemented. It would be wonderful if one day um, it's, it's, a, it's a subject at school, you know, and this is something that kids are introduced to. Um, and, and I think that when they do, we'll start to see a very different world. Mm, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I've got an ATM on the line, Apostle Paul. Good evening. Evening, Patricia, Nikki, and our technicians. Great subjects, eh? as always. Really, uh, I thank God when I hear that the Buddhists, they practice mindfulness and now it has gone out of the anime. Overboard, it means not only for Buddhists, but now almost everybody can go for it. And when you get into the Bible, we see in Joshua 1, God advising Joshua to meditate upon the word daily. And by doing so, he will be victorious, he will be prosperous, and he will succeed. And I think in our days, it takes discipline, being the manager of your own life, and determination. You know, practices like jogging one hour in the morning. I don't think when you start jogging, you can be stressed or you can be depressed. But also depression comes with some tricky uh, demons in it. Allow me the word demons. It means when someone is depressed, the worst thing in depression is the loss of total interest in almost everything. So it becomes a problem. And there religion has to intervene so people can look up to God and say, God, help me. But really, in short, I want to say that uh, this is a great topic. And uh, one question before I go. If uh, our guests can help us understand among the Buddhists, uh, what is the rate of, uh, or what is of uh, depressed people among Buddhists? Do they also get, because they are using mindfulness your line is really uh, bad, Apostle Paul, uh, but uh, we hear your question. Uh, Nikki, I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping you've heard what Apostle Paul uh, was asking. Yes. Okay. Yes, and I loved everything that he said, and it's mm. so true, because while, while mindfulness is rooted in Buddhism, in all religions, I mean, just look at prayer. What is prayer? But wonderful affirmation, and to be silent, and to go within, and to... Um, you know, be compassionate to self. This is this is what all religions really preach. Um, and 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 I'm going to say it again, but mindfulness is not attached to to a religion. I really do want to stress that for people who hesitate when it comes to that. And as 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 your as your caller said as well, it does require discipline. And when you have discipline in your life, then you learn to manage your thoughts because it is these unruly thoughts. It's all that stream of thought it is then, um, you know, the stress and the anxiety and the depression rise up. But the mindfulness, as I said right at the beginning, it's a thought management tool. So the question was, what are the depression rates in Buddhists? Well, I, 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 I would wish I could do that reason. I'd love to know. What I can tell you um, is I think it would be unfair to say that 
um, uh, you know, no one suffers from depression if they if they follow Buddhism or look at Buddhist monks. I mean, I, I certainly have read articles of of Buddhist monks who have suffered from anxiety and who have suffered from depression. Um, they certainly talk about the impact that mindfulness plays in them being able to manage it. Because Patricia, what it is. Is if and and this is one thing I would like to mention before I, before I, I do go so that your guests get an understanding. And it is something called metacognition, and that is thinking and knowing that we are thinking. We are human sapiens sapiens. We are a species that thinks, and and this is very important. And we know we think. So there's a part of us that notices the thinking. So there's the thinker. And then there is the observer of the thinker. And so mindfulness, when you have, I've been bringing up the word awareness and observing a lot during this conversation because that's what mindfulness is. That's how it brings you back to the moment. Mm. And so when you have these crazy thoughts, these highly anxious thoughts, or these negative thoughts, the part of you, when you're noticing that and you bring yourself back with compassion and kindness, it's the part of you noticing it. There's, there's, this, there's this part of you that is fine and then there's the part of you that notices. So ultimately what I'm saying is we are not our thoughts. We are the observer of our thoughts and that's what mindfulness gets you. It gets you into this realization that, you know, these are thoughts. I've just been carried away into a movie in my mind, bringing myself back to this perfect moment where I am fine right now. So with that kind of practice, you can learn to, whether you're a Buddhist monk, whether you're practicing it on as you know, just as mindfulness with no attachment to any philosophy or religion, um, you are building your resilience. You are learning to, to regulate um, and modulate your emotions because the realization is I'm not my thoughts, that these thoughts are coming and they're going. And I'm observing them. I can be with what is. I'm not going to judge myself or judge the thought. I can be with what is. And here I am in this moment. Let me go to some uh, comments and questions via WhatsApp uh, by Edwin Baza, who's in the Eastern Cape, saying, Hi, Patricia, and your guest, Nikki. I have a question for her. Is it okay not to be okay emotionally? Is it okay to be mindful that you are emotionally drained and to accept that? If so, why do people around us want to comfort us when you're in the moment, when you yourself are mindful of your emotions at the time? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Because to be aware of the state that you're in, to accept that that is how you're feeling at that moment, it comes with it a realization that the moment passes. So I love what your guest it is 100% okay to be with how you're feeling, with what you're going through. Um, you know, if other people are trying to take you out of it, it's their discomfort. It's their inability to hold you in that in that space because of the discomfort it brings up in them. But you see, if you notice that that comes up, if you notice you're in that state and you just wait and you notice the emotions and you notice the thought, you bring yourself back to the present moment. That's what I said when I spoke about being able to hold it all. We can hold it all. We can hold the pain and we can hold the beauty all at the same time without the judgment. We, we can hold all of that. Mm. And uh, Noni says, uh, hi, Patricia. Good topic. Uh, good evening to your guest. I just want to know if mindfulness has a link to being awake uh, or having awakeness. 
So being awake, um, I'm not sure if there's a connotation there as in awake to uh, an awakening within self. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, 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 and perhaps, Patricia, steer me if you think I'm going in the wrong direction. Um, would that mean is there a spiritual bent? Is there a spiritual meaning in, mm, in I, th- I think so. I think so. Okay. Well, well, you know, it depends on who you are. There are many people who practice mindfulness in a completely secular way, and there are people who practice mindfulness and it takes them more spiritual because they're more connected to self without getting lost in the thought. And when you go within and you live expansively in the present moment, then you're incredibly awake. You are so awake. You awake to the, the reality and to the real essence of what's happening, um, you're not lost in the movie. All right, uh, Miss N in Soweto says, good evening, Manduli. I believe mindfulness goes hand in hand with a healthy mindset, speaking your own truth without being judgmental, doing away with mm-hmm. little distractions because the greatest battles are won in the mind because that's where everything is and enjoying yeah. the present moment and being in the present moment. How many times do you have a conversation with someone only for a person to tell you, sorry, my mind is not here. Mindfulness mm-hmm. is a way to health. He has a voice note. Beautiful. I mean, your guest. Let's quickly go to this voice note. Nikki? Yeah, let's quickly go to this voice note. Good evening, this is Patricia and the guest. Uh, I really like the point that is being interrogated today. My question is like, um, uh, people will tell you that in order for you to get something that you are ambitious for, that you are. you're dying for, you gotta make sure that you don't keep it away out of your heart. You better make sure that you think about it every day and make sure to make sure that you you don't take off so that you'll be able to do everything that, you know what I mean? Like how how is that true uh, toward this uh, mindfulness? All right, great question. We oh, need to round question. off our discussion, Nikki, but please do respond to our A-team. Absolutely. Such a great question because it's not saying don't. Mindfulness is not saying don't use your thoughts. Absolutely. You want to use thoughts to create in your life and build yourself up and, and have visualizations. Amazing. But you're doing that very consciously. In other words, you are thinking your thoughts in a very powerful way. Mindfulness is about when you're not thinking your thoughts, when you are unconsciously lost in thought, and then you're bringing yourself back. Because when you're lost in thought, Patricia, quickly before you go, research has shown that when you return from being lost in thought, you're more anxious and you're less happy. So so it's not saying don't think. Absolutely, we've been given the gift of thinking and, and creating powerful and amazing and wonderful things, but you're very aware when you're doing that. It's the other 47% of the time when you're lost in thought. Nikki, I need to go to the news. I wish we had more time to talk on mindfulness. <laughs> Could you kindly give us um, uh, social media handles or a website where our A-teamers can be in touch with you? Absolutely. They can visit my website and everything's there. It's NikkiSeberini.com. So it's N-I-K-I-Seberini.com and everything's there and they can follow me and that would be wonderful. Excellent. Thank you for uh, joining us this evening. Time, Patricia. Thank you so much. A-teamers, it's 11 o'clock. It's time for us uh, to go to the news and get the final news roundup from Mudupi Makhalimela. Mudupi, hola.